1: It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now.
0: This is the Book Grab Podcast. I'm Jeff O'Neill.
1: And I'm Rebecca Shinsky,
0: And today we're answering listener questions for holiday gift book recommendations. It's our uh, semi-annual uh, recommendation show. We do it moms, dads, and grads time. And then for the... Holiday book buying season. As we go towards two episodes a week, which we're planning on doing in 2024, I, I was wondering about bringing back a kind of open call for recommendations to make Ooh. segments out of to kind mm-hmm. of like um, respawn Get Booked, which was Amanda and Jen Northington's longtime show. Um, it's a good bit. And some of these we go through pretty quickly. We could even do it where if we're stumped or you know, coming back through, but uh, always a good time. But as we have more real estate, maybe we can uh, tend this garden a little bit more often. Um, have a bunch here. A, a few came in this morning. We're recording on Tuesday, November 21st. Unfortunately, we're not going to get to those. But maybe we'll get to them in a, in dedicated uh, ongoing recommendation segments. We're, Rebecca, what do you think about that? Yeah, do you like the idea or we should say, keep like it I like this
1: idea. You know, one of okay. the other things we've been talking about, too, as we're amping up our content is... Uh, that we are doing lots of fun things over on Patreon. And so if you like what we're doing here and you just want to help us make the work sustainable, we're a small, independently-owned media company. There's no secret venture capital. You can chip in 5 bucks a month to get early, ad-free access to the main feed episodes. And as Jeff was just saying, there'll be two of those every week starting in January. Or for 10 bucks a month, you'll also get access to our new bonus episodes and the entire catalog of back bonus content for as long as you remain an active subscriber. And there's like a year and a half worth of fun stuff over there. Uh, One of the perks that our bonus subscribers get is first dibs on listener requests. So this first block of questions you'll hear us answer all came from folks who are Patreon members. And that is, I think, one of the additional things we could do. Maybe we'll like kind of combine some pieces here where we'll keep an open mailbag running through the year for Patreon members. And as we get to enough... Recommendation requests just for personal reading or whatever. We'll make an episode out of them. Kind of two birds, one yep. stone.
0: Yeah, I like that. I like that. Because there is the seasonal push, um, moms, yeah. dads, and grad season. And, and this one, this one's the big one for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, I've heard that the book buying season on the publisher level is kind of off to a, a slower start, but we've heard oh, from retailers it's going a little bit faster. So, I, I don't know, a little bit of mixed messaging here, but I think it's just because we haven't done the show yet. People have been waiting. <laughs> Everybody's waiting. The book buying public at large. Yeah. Uh, okay. So this is how it goes. People have written in. Um, mm-hmm. We will read their questions and maybe their names, whether or not they've given us affirmative consent. Then we'll take turns giving the answer or giving our recommendation request. Rebecca was first in today. So she took, well, I'd say the obvious ones, if I'm honest, um, No, I'm kidding. She often gets the. She often will pick something that I will have picked. If one of us is not a domain, not even expert, a prosumer, we will either outsource to somebody else yes. or we'll say, you know what, that's not really for us. I think we've got something for everyone, even if it is a, I haven't read this, but I asked or I looked or mm-hmm. I thought about it. Um, yeah,
1: we try to do the homework where we can.
0: So we try to do the homework where we can. Let's see. I'm trying to think of any other disclaimers. I don't think so. Um, I will not include all of the Prompts in the show notes. I will include all of the titles in the order in which we mention them, including we're going to mention some lists. Rebecca especially yes. did the, the yeoman's work of finding some relevant lists, both on our side and some other places. Um, so I think that's it. So with that, Rebecca, let's do our first sponsor break, and then get into the recs.
2: Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Diana Dixon has a busy summer and no time for tall, gorgeous hockey player, Shane's shenanigans. Cause you know what, if they shenan once, They'll shenan again. So she thinks she knows exactly who he is when he moves into her apartment building, but turns out Shane's sick of hookups and tired of being on the rebound after his long-term girlfriend called it quits. But when his ex comes back into the picture, he needs a plan and who better to play his new girlfriend than his sassy new neighbor. So a fake relationship might be perfect for Diana's own ex issues, Today's episode is brought to you by Yin Press, your favorite publisher of Japanese manga and novels. Tragedy unfolds on the first day of spring when a train derails at Nishi Iwagahama Station, changing the course of hundreds of lives. Two months later, a rumor spreads of a ghost with the power to send others back in time, inevitably attracting those who seek a chance to go back to that fateful day. The God of Nishi Yuga Hama Station by Takeshi Morase is a moving story about the unpredictability of life. It aims to comfort tired souls and answers the famous question, what would you do if you had a second chance? Told through the eyes of a student, a son and a bride to be, this heart wrenching novel is a reflection of how grief impacts us and what we must do to pick up the pieces. Don't miss this literary debut full of fabulism and time travel by Japanese writer Takeshi Morase. To learn more, please visit yinpress.com. And thanks again to Yin Press, your favorite publisher of Japanese manga and novels, for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books for Young Adults. From number one New York Times bestselling author Jennifer L. Armantrout comes a book I have to tell you about. It's Half Blood. And it follows Alex and her mom who have spent years on the run from The Covenant, a school where their pure descendants of gods hone their powers and half mortal teens train to kill demons for them. When her mom is murdered, Alex has two options. She can become a servant for the Pures or work twice as hard to catch up in her training. The second option seems easier, but it gets a little complicated, you see, when pureblood Aiden becomes her personal trainer. So falling for Aiden isn't her biggest problem, surprisingly. As demons close in, she must fight to stay alive, even while others around her are dropping dead. So again, Jennifer L. Armantrout does the thing when it comes to romance, fantasy, adventure, all those things. Other books are Blood and Ash, A Shadow in the Ember, all those good things. Make sure to check out Half Blood by Jennifer L. Armantrout. And thanks again to Bloom Books for Young Adults for sponsoring this episode.
0: Why don't I read the first one, and then we'll proceed from there.
2: Let's get into it.
0: All right, here we go. Um, I'm having a bit of a third-of-life crisis, single in an urban center. Do I need to get on dating apps because my eggs are dying? Do I need to move home to my hometown lest I die alone? You can die alone in your hometown, by the way. There's books about that, too. Should I join a fourth (laughs) book club and a second bowling league? Would love any recommendations that could help me through this, either nonfiction written by qualified individuals, psychologists, economists, et cetera, not celebrities or comedians, I guess, or influencers, or well-written fiction that will tell me that I'm not alone in this struggle. Let's go help some people. Rebecca, you're up first.
1: Yeah. This was, I think, this is a great question, and I'm glad this person asked this, because I feel like a lot of people listening... Are having mm-hmm. similar struggles, are looking for books, and I think this is a it's a tough one for like a straight ahead. What should you do? I have no answers. I don't think any book has answers for like how many book clubs yeah. should you be a member of? What do you do when your eggs are dying? But I went to some books about sort of happiness and meaning, uh, Strength to Strength by Arthur C. Brooks. This is one that I have not read, but I know his work pretty well. He's a researcher who covers. Meaningfulness and happiness, and like the deep sense of happiness and joy, not like, you know, you just watched a meme about a puppy or something. Um, I think also Together by Vivek Murthy, the um, former surgeon general, he's doing a lot of really interesting work around the loneliness epidemic. And this is a book about really like the way forward, the healing power. Well, the subtitle of the book is The Healing Power of Connection in a Sometimes Lonely World and the Ways to Form Those Connections which uh, I think many of them are not things that require like a huge investment of your time or resources or the joining of a new club. Uh, and then one to put on your list for February that is high on my list is called The Other Significant Others by Raina Mm -hmm. Cohen and it is about building a life around friendships rather than exclusively or instead of romantic relationships so I kind of latched onto this bit about like get onto dating apps because your eggs are dying like you can do that or you can decide that that's not your priority and maybe building out a life that's really rich in friendships and how to do that uh, especially in a mixed friend group where some people have kids, some people don't. Some people have partners, some people don't. Uh, also, Lithub had a wonderful list of midlife coming-of-age novels that we'll drop a link to in the show notes so that you can peruse that for your fictional uh, adventures here. But hopefully those resources will get you started.
0: I did not do any kind of, this will actually help you make material changes to your existence for the better. These are I mean, we could do Ross Gay. Ross Gay has now entered RSTNLE Um, for us. He's on this list a couple
1: times today. A (laughs) couple
0: times. This one I picked inciting joy for this because I think that's what you're kind of looking for, right? Is like inciting is an interesting word um, Mm -hmm. in this particular case. And it's about finding, cultivating, locating, wrestling with places that can Insight, not spark joy, I think is, is, is funny to mm-hmm. think about that difference because that's become a bit of a... Yeah, that's a good distinction. Know, s- sort of a, something that gets sewn onto pillows to spark joy. Inciting joy, is it's like you can incite a riot, in, a riot in its own way. Um, <laughs> and there's something has a, more has a, like
1: a, active about inciting.
0: Yeah, that's right. And it's it deals with difficult subjects, but also gay is trying to find ways... Through those to not just find them to be things to ameliorate, but things to actually turn into positives. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I, I don't know the distinction between the inciting joy and the more delights books, honestly, because they're they're in the same sweet and sour, dark and light, simple and complicated, local and universal. I could recommend any of them, but I think this one in particular um, is kind of it's. He's not going to give you advice for living, but as an exemplar for a way to be and to deal with complexity, I'm not sure anyone's better than this. Yeah, I um, agree. Than gay at this. On the fiction front, I'm going with Joan is Okay by Wecky Wang. So this is a book that came out a couple of years ago. It's about a doctor. Um, and it, it is a COVID book, but it's not really about that. It just it happens to be set during COVID. And she's somewhere, we think, on the spectrum, though not really told. Um, we've been trying mm-hmm. to come up with a term for this kind of a narrator the Spectrum Curious. Not really. It's not even that. It's like, it's just not named, but by description and behavior, I think the reader is made to make some assumptions. That's immaterial here. But things aren't going great. Um, she has a complicated relationship with her parents. She has a complicated relationship with her work. She has a complicated relationship with her brother. And she has a complicated relationship in the world. And yet the title of the book is Joan is Okay. And that's not ironical. Yeah. It is how to be okay and is that different than being happy maybe is it the best is it sometimes enough absolutely is it maybe a good goal to hit for and then if you if you uh, also ring the bell of happiness from time to time or incite joy from time to time i think it's a really really good book um so that's mm-hmm. joan is okay by waking wing my I second
1: both of those emotions. I'm a little mad you got to mention Ross Gay first.
0: Look, you had it sorry. first. You could have gone right off the top here, but <laughs> you have. sort of it's waited true. and tough. <laughs>
1: All right. This is my read. It's coming from Gretchen, who is looking for books for a 14 year old daughter who's a freshman in high school. She's into theater, competitive speech, uh, likes to have a book in her bag to squeeze in, you know, in between rehearsals and stuff. She's been an avid middle grade and YA reader for the last few years and is loving her high school honors English class. So Gretchen is looking for books that give her experience and to some degree emotional permission to read beyond the kids section of the library. thinks the kid's preference is for stories of people wrestling with issues of social justice, stories about people in their everyday lives who are different from her own experience. She says she's a kid who can handle handle nuance and complicated topics, but did get burned on a YA novel that had too much graphic detail about abuse on the page. Uh, One of her favorite books is Inside Out and Back Again by Tana Lai, which is a novel in verse about the childhood of a Vietnamese immigrant. You go first here. This is a brave pick.
0: Well, I don't know. 14 in freshman high school can go up or down. Um, Mm -hmm. And I went up maybe three years for most people to recommend this. It's a a full adult book. It's Pachinko by Min Jin Lee. So the reasons I would pick this, Wrestling with Issues of Social Justice and Stories of People's Everyday Lives who are Different from Hers Plus, uh, the the note that she had a good experience reading an immigration story. Yeah. That's what this is. This is a big book. It's historical fiction. It is not, it is not hard to understand. That's right. Um, but it's a multi-generational epic, and there's a lot that happens in it. So you're going to know. If you're trying to get her to read out of YA into adult, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but already doing Becky Chambers, I don't know that duology. I don't know if that one's... Um, up or down in terms of age from the wayfarers. So it's a little bit hard for me to say, but it feels like kind of the right temperament, right? Where there's a lot going on here. It's also very plot. There's a lot of plot. Mm -hmm. Things happen. It's not just people sitting around thinking. It can be slower, but there's love and betrayal and affairs and danger and leaving home and finding love and getting arrested. Like there's meat on the bone there you probably, if you haven't experienced this already, um, recommend recommendation asker. You might read the first few chapters and see if you think it's interesting. Also, you can find find it pretty cheap in used bookstores because there's a bunch of those copies mm-hmm. sold and a bunch of them were bought to for the for the TV adaptation. So maybe it's not even a get a gift thing, but like just try it. You know, maybe make it lower stakes and say, hey, I got this at the bookstore, get it from the library. Ooh, I like that. And idea. see in that particular way. So, as a holiday gift, maybe not so much. But I, with my own kids, try to give them something that presses them a little. And this may be, a, it could even just be a difference of 18 months. At this age, it really could be that much different. But keep it in the back of your pocket. So, that's my pick.
1: Yeah. If she likes it, then you have the Apple adaptation to watch together, which is just phenomenal.
0: And then you can go everywhere. I mean, that's the other thing. If you can do this, you can basically alter your world. The the world world. of adult
1: fiction will open up to her. Um, Mm. I am really outside my wheelhouse and experience uh, in a question about kids reading, especially. So I went and looked at National Book Award winners for the literature mm. for young people over the last several years. One of the ones that stood out was All My Rage by Saba Tahir. I know We've got a lot of Saba Tahir fans around Book Riot. Um, and then Me, Moth by Amber McBride is a book that also deals with a lot of cultural and social justice issues and is written in free verse. So I thought you might be able to pull a couple yeah. pieces of things that she's previously enjoyed reading and put them together and see how that goes but again it some of those looked like i mean these are ya so they might be like maybe too close to what she has been reading not enough of a push it's really it's really hard to know as jeff was saying so good luck to you let us know where you land and folks who are listening um this is a patreon member so if you're also a patreon member you can shout out in the comments with your own recommendations for this or anybody
0: else you know, I just had a thought, and it's going to seem like a very strange one because I kind of publicly slagged this book on the show not too long ago. <laughs> uh-huh. But, but the Midnight Library by Matt Haig. One, of my critique of it was it seemed a little reductive to me. Mm. But it deals with difficult issues. It's not super graphic. Um, it's complicated. And maybe if I was 14 and not 45, I would have a different reaction. Yeah. And I think maybe a lot of people that like this book, may again, I'm not saying they're 14-year-olds, but are coming from a different place than I'm coming from. I can see a teen, like in the John Green motif, frankly. Mm. I mean, I don't know if your daughter's gotten into the John green universe, but the the Midnight Library of Mad Hague, that's another one you could find for, for you know, um, not too much.
1: Since you're prompting recent reads, maybe the Berry mm. Pickers that's
0: yeah, some too t- much the, yeah I don't maybe
1: cr- cross-cultural yeah. this might be one for you to take a look at first mom yeah. um, at least you know read a, a good review the New York Times has a good review I think Publishers Weekly had a big review of it um, there's some tough stuff in there but not right. like a lot of graphic on the page trauma um, and you get at some background about difficult historical things in america um the way we've treated indigenous people that might be it might be worth a look
0: it might be worth. my only concern about that would be that again if you've done a lot of multi-perspective where chapters go back and forth you're gonna have you're gonna understand pretty quickly how that book is put together and who is who if you have not you could be confused in the first 50 pages about who is who and who's norma and why is joe um You might be right. Again, I think that's going to be, I think the Berry Pickers is um, something we could have picked in some other places here. Maybe we'll think Mm -hmm. about it. I can see why it became a Swiss Army knife pick in a lot of like book lists and everything. Um, That's an interesting thought as well. Uh, Let's see. I'm up to read again. Good luck, mom, with that one. I'm a decent cook, but want to work on my baking. Any cookbook suggestions for bakers? Do you plant these so you can get to talk <laughs> about King, King Arthur no, Baking School? Do you just I, go start typing in the I document? Like, what hap- we, what is happening here?
1: This round, it seems like sometimes we have rounds that are, like, heavily tilted towards you and sometimes that is are a heavily Rebecca tilted year. towards it's me. And this is a Rebecca year. This yeah. is a Rebecca year. We got some baking questions. Later on, we have some stuff about being ch- a child-free woman. We do have some requests for dad books. You're going to get your moment. Yeah. Um, okay, so for bakers. I don't know where you are in baking levels. So to start off with basics, I really like the two books, Snacking Cakes and Snacking Bakes by Yossi Arefi. Um, The whole situation there is that these are cakes and bakes that take one bowl to prepare them. So you don't have to like do this and then do that and then combine these things and like get a whole bunch of your dishes dirty. You can use one bowl to mix up the whole thing. The idea is you make this cake or this thing that's very easy to bake and then you have it like sitting on your kitchen counter as a nice little snack for a couple days or a week or whatever. There's a nice variety of both like flavors and vibes. I think that's a really good place to start. If you want something broader where you're like I want to learn how to make cookies and also cakes and what about this like fancy bread that I saw on TV the King Arthur baking school book is really excellent Um, and I do need to I have to shout out Christina Tosi's all about cakes that if you want to go like next level and make fancy cakes that you know that layer like a sauce and then a like crunchy layer and then a frosting and then another thing and that like look real impressive that's a good one, but there are like a lot of ingredients. You will dirty every pan in your kitchen <laughs> making them. But also like they do have a wow factor. So I think that's kind of I would go snacking cakes and then some King Arthur stuff and then Christina Tosi for a progression.
0: Um, I do have a recommendation. I don't go for wow factor. I go for now factor means it's simple <laughs> and it's straightforward. I checked this out probably four times during COVID from the library. I don't know. why I just don't buy it. I should. <laughs> uh, How to Bake Everything by Mark Bittman you know, his mm-hmm. increasingly misnamed sequel to how to bake, how to cook everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's great. You can do from rolls to loaves to desserts. Anything that you've probably heard of normally is going to be in there. I have no idea how good it is from a baker's baker point of view, but for a regular schmo, um, we made a few things and they turned out well great. enough. So there you go.
1: Yeah, I'll also note, I just learned last week that the Great British Bake Off puts the recipes for all of the uh, technical challenges and a bunch of the contestants' individual recipes for things on their website for free. And it's, like, searchable and broken down by, like, weeknight meals, cupcakes, impressive birthday cakes, whatever. So, like, you might just go check that out, too, and see what looks good.
0: That That's a disincentive, because that looks hard. So I'm not making anything they're <laughs> making. I'm saying, like, dinner rolls. Let's go.
1: I got you. Okay.
0: Okay. I've already forgotten. Oh, it's my read, right? Yeah. No, your read. Well, pa- uh, yeah,
1: it's, yeah, it's my read, but also a question for me. So I guess oh, I'll just okay, like take yeah. it away I'll, on no, this No, no,
0: I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll read it. This one is probably for Rebecca. Really, I'm after some nonfiction about being a child-free woman or a woman considering this as a life choice. Google gives me various lists, but I would love a more personalized recommendation. Thanks.
1: Oh, I feel Go like I've been waiting that. a decade to give this list on. Yeah. <laughs> on this podcast. Wait, can
0: we pause just one second? Where are we at? Are we past the peak of these or do you think there's going to be a lot more cuz th- this is a thing you would never see a book about and now now you can pick 6 of them. And yeah. you're probably leaving some things off the list.
1: I don't know if we're past the peak. I think maybe we're through the first big wave no. of them. It is really difficult to find a book that is explicitly just about being a child-free woman that is not by a white woman. Um, which, you know, like as social progress and feminist causes and things go, like the we white women get to go first because of privilege. Like that's right. what usually happens. Um, and then those same kinds of flexibility and access to different ways of thinking about life unfortunately tend to you know reach women from marginalized backgrounds later so i don't know i'm waiting for like a a big great book um that is not by a white woman about these things and if you know of one please do let me know
0: please send Um, out the bat signal
1: yeah also my own deep interest in reading about this is probably like eight years in the past yeah. because like at, you know i have aged out of the space where like strangers or my husband's co-workers or whoever are like asking us if we're going to have kids like right it, it has been i have gray hair it is solidly accepted that that's not happening um so some of these were part of my own process of understanding mm-hmm. this about myself um one a great one a memoir is no one tells you this by Glennis mcnichol um written about being in her 40s never married never had kids um and it's not about the decisions to do or not do those things, kind of very similar to how I experienced it. She didn't make the decision so much as just realized that these were true things about herself and about the life that she wanted. And she has this great, big, adventurous, interesting, complicated, free life. And it's, it was just wonderful to read that story. Um, Ruby Warrington has a book that came out relatively recently called Women Without Kids that's more of a like researchy, nonfiction verging on academic look at that so that's a, a good source um selfish shallow and self-absorbed is an essay collection edited by megan dom and it is it has a relatively diverse contributor pool um, it's from i don't know five or six years ago maybe longer with women writing about like selfish shallow and self-absorbed being often the public perception of women who choose not to have kids um, and they're pushing back against that they're talking about their own decisions mm. Um, And then kind of for a different one, as I was researching to see what had come out recently, I came across um, a book called Regretting Motherhood by Orna Donath, which is about this, you know, still very taboo thing of women who have had kids talking about regretting that decision and so like reading some stories from people who have gone the path of motherhood and maybe wish that they hadn't um, might be interesting to you as you're thinking sounds about sounds uncomplicated yeah That's this fine. is a very yeah. um uncomplicated totally socially smooth conversation to have yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <Right>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> good luck to you <laughs> yeah, have fun um so my read this one is from alex looking for recommendations for a book club they've been going for a year and somehow haven't really found something they all like the closest Mm. they got was Felix Ever After which got mild reviews the rest of the books we all read and disliked include Fahrenheit 451 they're sorry to me that's okay I would not have picked that as a book club book Um, (laughs) (laughs) the last thing he told me Ah. the sweetness of water and all those things we never said looking for some interesting picks the criteria are no series um, and books below 400 pages and they would favor diverse authors. Um, maybe we should talk about what makes a good book club pick for a second.
0: Well, let's do our. Well, sure. I think if you've got a new book club, maybe there's something to not reinventing the wheel when it comes to book club picks. Pick some book club. This kind of mm-hmm. would be my thought. I, my my first response here. I didn't even see that you had it. Um, so <laughs> I love I'll that come we up we're on a, the same page. Here. I, I'll no, come. Go with, for well, it. I actually I actually recommended Black Cake to my stepmom, and and she read it in her book club and really liked it. So I have some secondary anecdote to support yeah, it. So it's a good. Pick. It's a debut novel. Um, there's a TV adaptation, which is also can be fun for a book club. That's out. I think it's complete now on Hulu. I haven't seen a frame of it nor a review. Mm-hmm. I have no sense if it's good. But um, it's said in the Caribbean, it's a young woman and her mother. It's a little complicated. There's a lot to do with swimming and cakes and <laughs> calling yourself by a different name.
1: Family but secrets. It's
0: family secrets. It's juicy and it's good and it's beautiful, but also it's, it's plotty and... and Borders maybe on melodrama, just the size and shape and the amplitude of the reversals and reveals has that element, but doesn't feel melodramatic in the actual experience of it. So that can be good. I'd say for a book club pick, again, I don't know anything about your book club. Let's just Swiss Army knife it. You want it to be character driven, relatively quick to read, with one or two issues,
2: mm-hmm. no
0: more than that. Yeah, because then I it think, gets too complicated. So that would be my recipe. That would be my black cake recipe here.
1: Yeah, I think issues are the the key thing. Yeah. You need ideas to be able to like hook your conversation onto, mm-hmm. or you get stuck in the land of publisher suggested book club questions, like "What would you do in Jane's situation?" And <laughs>
0: which is the like, funniest piece of the vulnerables, by the way, her like <laughs> fake book club questions yes, for the book is, you're those reading. Are
1: really, those are really very good stuff. <laughs> Uh, but I think like that's a, you know, Fahrenheit 451 I love, but there's not a lot to like really talk about unless you're going to go into like a more academic yeah. conversation Get out your
0: situation, yeah.
1: about stuff. Um, I think Yellow Face by R.F. Kwong is a great selection here. Mm-hmm. Like it's thorny. There is not a way to have like one straight ahead interpretation of it. People are probably going to be like, I think it's intended to rub every reader wrong in at least one way. Like you're supposed to bump up against
0: to make you mad and hoodwink you several times over the course of the reading.
1: Yeah, there's there's supposed to be friction in that process and she executes it very well. There's, I mean, there is just a lot to talk about. We talked about it for an hour in a bonus episode. I think we could Mm -hmm. have kept going. I'm continuing to think about it six months later. Um, Other good stuff to talk about. Erasure by Percival Everett, which is the basis for... The movie that's coming out next month called American Fiction. You want to talk about like complicated stuff around the world of books and reading? (laughs) That'll get you going. And then your book club could go to the movies together uh, and see American fiction. And then I had to trot out one of our shared favorites, Never Let Me Go uh, by Kazuo Ushiguro, which has you know that sci-fi premise of these are humans who are created and raised to be organ donors for you know more privileged humans but it's really about like empathy and connection and there's a there's a lot of stuff to tie a conversation to it also has a good adaptation if that's something that folks in your book club enjoy
0: i think this is a place we could drop in the berry pickers if we're going to drop one in i think this would make a good book club selection for y'all who seem like you're on the up market towards literary and your sensibility I think that would be a good fit also go to the queen pick yourself an Ann Patchett go read Mm. some blurbs and pick a Patchett go read some blurbs for Louise Erdrich and pick one those are gonna I think those again until you have a sense of what your seared idiosyncrasies are don't reinvent the wheel. Ride the yeah. bus. Let's go.
1: And if you want to go a little over four hundred pages, Rebecca McKay's, I have some questions for you. Is a good like yeah. that'll give you. I mean, a solid I even
0: go one color. back. I'd go the Great Believers before I'd go. Oh to, I yeah, mean, I think that's, that's right. Me. You know,
1: it's maybe worth even like doing some. I don't as you're like coming across reviews as you hear people talk about books on npr or whatever like something that's a straight ahead rave i think makes for a less interesting book club conversation than something where it's like i don't know about this Mm -hmm. in this book you might just sort of develop a radar for things like that or if one person in the book club has read the book and they think there's good stuff to talk about that might be a way into it as well the whole like trying to go into a title that nobody has read and hope you get a conversation out of is a really tough that's it's just a tough thing to try to pull off
2: today's episode is brought to you by penguin team In a world where the children of the gods inherit their powers, a descendant of the Greek fates must solve a series of impossible murders to save her sisters, her soulmate, and her city. Descendants of the fates are always born in threes. There's one to weave, one to draw, and one to cut the threads that connect people to the things they love and to life itself. And the Aura sisters are no exceptions. There is Eo, the youngest, who uses her fate-born abilities as a private investigator, but her latest job leads her to a horrific discovery. Somebody is abducting women and setting the resulting wraiths loose in the city to kill. Now the second book in the series, Hearts That Cut will be on sale June 18th, 2024. This is a must read for all Greek mythology and fantasy fans. This is Dripping With Atmosphere, Edge With Danger. Threads That Bind weaves together a gorgeous dark tapestry of mystery, faded romance and modern myth. You won't be able to put this one down. And that comes from Alexandra Bracken, New York Times bestselling author of Lore. So make sure to pick up Threads That Bind by Kitsa Hatsapolu. And thanks again to Penguin Teen for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Disney Books. Do y'all like Caribbean mythology? What's more, a thriller inspired by Caribbean mythology? If you do, I got something for you. A must read thriller that draws from the darkest corners of Caribbean mythology from acclaimed author, Sarah Das, who crafts a chilling tale of magic, murder, and how far we'll go to protect what's ours. It's perfect for fans of Angeline Bully and Tiffany D. Jackson. So unlike other people on the small island of St. Virgil, Selena da Silva does not believe in magic. She has a logical mind. She likes botany. She wants to study pharmacology, but then her mother gets sick and she's tethered to the island and she has to make money so what does she do she cons a couple gullible tourists with these useless talismans and phony protection rituals but then one of the tourists ends up dead and at the center of a strange string of murders and the truth selena has been denying can no longer be avoided there is evil lurking in the forest that surround St. Virgil. And to find out what that evil is, make sure to pick up It Waits in the Forest by Sarah Das. And thanks again to Disney Books for sponsoring this episode.
0: Uh, Your read here. This is my
2: read. This is from Lisa looking for recommendations
1: for a 16-year-old who loves Grady Hendrix. Horror with some humor. Looking for recommendations for books or authors in a similar vein. You did better than I did here.
0: Well, you're not reading... I mean, this is not your wheelhouse Mm -mm. either. I I like a little bit of this, but I also have someone in my house that is a 12-year-old that likes this sort of stuff. Genre with humor. I don't read horror, and neither does Ames at this point, but we do like genre with humor or a quirky sensibility. So one I'd go to... I don't know if this person, um, for your 16-year-old, does graphic novels, but I've recommended Paper Girls before. It's a completed series, so O'Neill's Razor gets to keep sheaths for now. It's very happy <laughs> sitting there in my desk drawer. It's a group of teenagers who are paper girls. They're not friends necessarily, just happen to be overlapping the same gig in the same suburban area, and they get involved in a interdimensional war, and it's fine and normal. Um, I think it is Stranger Things before there were Stranger Things, Ooh, yes. to be honest with yeah, you, that's is is, to is interesting to think about it. I do like genre with humor. If your sixteen-year-old has never checked out the the, I guess the the um, ab ovo of the genre of this, it would be Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy mm. um, by mm-hmm. Douglas Adams. If you're looking for humor, more recently the mo- Scalcy, John Scalzi has leaned into the quirky genre with Kaiju Preservation Society. That's a monster story. It's like Godzilla with humor and there's swearing and it's off kilter. Um, I even wonder about my son has read the Martian by Andy Weir. Andy Weir is not the last time I'm going to amend this. Yeah. He's read the Martian probably a dozen times and wow. um, project Hail Mary, probably another three or four times. He'll just pick it up in in the middle of the Martian and just read it because it's like in the form of log entry. So you can just pick it up by itself and he laughs and he'll come over and this line is funny. So those are my, those are my picks here. After that, <sighs> I feel like it's a little underserved as a as I a agree. as a genre. Honestly, I want to. I'd see more sci-fi. I'd love to see more mystery that has like what's a what's a mystery thriller look like if if written by Douglas Adams. I have Ooh. no sense of what that would be, but I think it would sell like hotcakes.
1: Yeah, the only like funny thriller that I can think of in recent years was My Sister the Serial Killer. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is a little more adult than yeah. I mean, it's. it's
1: Depends on your 16-year-old, know. for Depends sure.
0: Depends on your 16-year-old. You have a list.
1: Yeah, we have a book right list of humorous horror books. I'll drop that in. Um, I came across, when I was doing my Googling, I came across several mentions of Drew Magery, so you might look for him.
0: Was uh, that and- The Hike? Was oh. that The Hike? Did you ever read this book called I the Hike? I did not.
1: I've never read Magary.
0: Oh, Just, my like, God. never got The there. Hike, Uh, it is a, the strangest, most compelling, and I still don't know what to do with a book of all time. <laughs> For me. I mean it's it's in the top five of like, what the hell was that?
1: Oh, wow, okay.
0: in a good way, yeah. in a good way, but it's it's there. Um I'm not sure what I would do with that. okay. Uh, anyway, and I'm just and
1: uh, the last final girls by Stephen Graham Jones, who I mm. every time I think maybe I should read more horror, I circle around Stephen Graham Jones. yeah, me too. And the last final girl sounds like it has some humor in there, so you might go that direction.
0: Alright, this is my read. I'm looking a book for my husband. I give him a book each Christmas, and it usually ends up being the one book he reads each year. In the past, I've always given him fiction, but the only real success I've had for him was Project Hail Mary. One of one. Um, This year, I'd like to try some sort of scientific nonfiction. He's an engineer and truly believes he's always the smartest person in the room, (laughs) so it'd need to be something well-researched that could stand against his arguments. As he's not much of a big reader, I'd also like something that is narrative and accessible and possibly with a dash of humor general areas that would work for him would be space and space exploration, physics or chemistry. Good luck and thank you so much. This is not an easy one. Feels like we're it feels like a tough one. Yeah, this, this is, is a, hard a tough one, to one.
1: Um it's tough to be up against the reader who is the smartest person yeah. in the room. And I do think that Mukherjee, our good friend, is
0: he is not right. so smarter than Mukherjee, I'm <laughs> nobody, sorry to say,
1: <laughs> nobody is going to win that war. Song of the Cell, like, what do you want from me? It's about yeah. biology, and it has Walt Whitman references, and he's funny. He like there are song lyrics and cultural references, and a lot of kind of like subtle, clever humor built into this story of what cells are and how... You think not Emperor
0: of All Maladies? You wouldn't oh, pick think Emperor of All Maladies versus Song I'd of the Cell? I think I recommended that
1: somewhere else.
0: <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. It's
1: not a holiday recommendation show if we don't it's, talk about it really the Emperor yeah. of All Maladies. But yeah, that one too. Um, the Song of the Cell, I think, is more technical, like because Mukherjee started with something that's big like cancer and has gone then to the gene Mm. and then to the cell, like cells are just much smaller and there's more difficult stuff going on there with the science. If you really want to like get nerdy, like I had to really do my homework reading Song of the Cell, like pay attention, read the footnotes, process the information. Um, The narrative of Emperor of All Maladies, I do still think is like the best of the Mukherjee um, but I'd go for Song of the Cell. Um, right. If you want to go for something a little lighter, I, thought I Contain Multitudes by Ed Yong is great. Um, and The Good Life by Robert Waldinger who and Mark Schultz, who did the world's longest scientific study of happiness. Um, so talk about like an idea that people like to have a lot of opinions about, but actually putting some data behind them. That's uh, a pretty recent publication. It came out earlier this year. That might be worth a look as well.
0: Um, I'm going to throw a few things at you. First of all, for The Engineer, The Perfectionist by Simon Winchester. I think I've talked about this on the show before. Mm -hmm. Simon Winchester is a English polymath who writes these general interest books about really interesting topics. Um, this one is, you know, walking through engineering and telling stories of engineers and what they do. Each chapter is structured, the book is structured where It goes from small to big. So I think the first chapter is like .00001 microns or something like that. Or maybe it goes from big to small. I can't remember. But then each chapter is about something, some engineering marvel feat, idea, or person that happens at that scale. So that's a cool way. So you, you go from one direction to the other. I think it's very cool. Another one I'd recommend is The Idea Factory, Bell Labs in the Great Age of American Innovation by John Gertner. I really love this book. Um, it is about the remarkable space and time and resources and where it founded history that Bell Labs enjoyed in the middle of the century. Um so it has a little more of a story in it. Um basically because of the monopolistic uh <laughs> nature of of Bell Telephone, Bell had all this money to invest and they had this amazing campus. I think it was it was all over the place, but there were some in New Jersey, it was in New York for some times. And a cast of characters, um, you know, that got involved from transistors to information theory. Really, really fascinating stuff. That one I found really good. And if you want to throw them a curveball, hold on. I want to make sure I get the actual title right and not go just from memory um, how to be perfect, the correct answer to every moral question yes! by Michael Sure. Yes, what a so good get him one. So get him out of his engineering zone. Get get his slide rule out of his pocket, and let's enter the room, the, the messy, um, exciting, and very human room of moral philosophy. Michael Shore, who is a TV producer now, best known for... Um, I guess he got us started on The Office, but really Parks and Rec, and then The Good Place in the writing of The Good Place, which is a show set in <laughs> heaven slash hell, no spoiler alerts, <laughs> question mark. Um, got interested in moral philosophy, and it's smart and well-researched and sure is deceptively clever. So I think good. he does a lot of shucking and jiving to keep from mm-hmm. from really showing what he can do, but it's researched and thoughtful, and I think would be an interesting... Um, uh, come, come at your fella from the side, right? He doesn't see it coming. The clever yeah. girl, right and now from the side. The
1: audiobook is so
0: good, and I'm just seeing right now the audiobook on Audible right now is five ninety five. So anyone else that's listening, uh, <laughs> you can go pick that up for six bucks, which will be the best six dollars you spend on the audiobook this year. I, I virtually
1: guarantee it. Yes, it's wonderful. It. That's a great pick. So
0: those, so those are my picks. um my read no no it's my read
1: uh let's see this person is looking for a buddy read with a friend their tastes differ a bit one likes plot-driven mysteries and thrillers and the other likes character-driven literary fiction so they'd love any ideas open to any genres including nonfiction. a few they've enjoyed together recently are bad blood the measure and project hail mary lots of love for andy weir today
0: project hail mary um I'm so glad I got this because it gave me the yep, perfect spot to put "Age of Ice" by Debut Kapoor, which I've talked about several times. Most recently, when it made someone's best of—I can't remember if it was Amazon's <laughs> it's or who—it's—it's. It's, we, we now have list blindness, oh, Rebecca well, and I, because we've seen so many.
1: Yeah, the, uh, the New York Times Hundred Notable came out this morning, which is I think our shared favorite of the end of yes. year lists. And "Age of Ice" made that one.
0: Was it? I haven't. Mm-hmm. I have um, yes. I haven't gotten. I'm so thrilled to hear this. Yeah. So this is said in recent. Recent-ish India. It follows a character, multiple characters, but our away in this character is someone who gets involved um, by being a hard worker and sort of gets picked out. I think, I think, waiting tables gets picked out by someone who he doesn't know to be mobbed up with the various faction, some various faction of the um, Indian underworld and it 's a multi spectral multi level of society thriller investigation social critique you know it 's like it 's like a it 's like a Scorsese movie set in india i don 't know what to tell you that 's what no it more. is. It's so there the, you go, Age of Ice by Deepti Kapoor.
1: It's at the top of my end-of-year catch-up list. I have a long flight next week, and it yeah. will be. I'm going to be reading Age of Ice.
0: Get that on the Kindle. It's big, so but yeah. it flies by. It's it's terrific. I think it would be... I If I'm wrong, it won't be because of plot-driven mystery thriller and character-driven literary fiction. It won't be your parenthetical here.
1: Yeah. Oh, and here's where I mentioned Rebecca Mackay. So I think ah, there for we go. this okay. pairing of readers, I have some questions for you by Rebecca Mackay is excellent. You get some character-driven stuff. She's a literary writer. The writing is great, but there's also a mystery at the heart of it and a meta-narrative about, like, what Mm -hmm. are we doing with true crime and all these true crime podcasts? Like, there's just a lot to chew on. We also did talk about it for an hour in a Patreon episode. We did. I think we could have kept going. Um, I think Anything by Celeste Ng. This is the Celeste Ng Wheelhouse, uh, a literary kind of mystery thriller that deals with family issues. And then just to like really complete the circle erotic stories for punjabi <laughs> widows by bali Cor jazz which i think you recommended to a listener on this show yes. last year i took on vacation with me a couple weeks later and loved it and then i've been recommending it to other people all year long yes. so i just it's have to keep a qu- that going it's an
0: arrow in your recommendation <laughs> quiver that you yeah do not hesitate to let fly
1: yeah it's going to be one of our RST and e's, i think it's a, that's a great I one i think
0: that's right Okay, um, my read. Happy holidays, Jeff and Rebecca. My son and his partner are big horror fans, and I would like to get one of them a book of queer horror short stories and the other a queer horror graphic novel. Horror is not a genre I generally read, so hoping you can help. Also for myself, I'm hoping you can recommend a couple of quiet novels set in Ireland. I am traveling there next year and plan on doing some Irish reading ahead of time. I loved One by One in the Darkness by Deidre Madden and All of It by Jeanette Halen. Thanks so much and enjoy the podcast. All right. This is, you did lists. So we're going to link to lists. Just walk through the list you're going to be able to find here in the show notes.
1: Book Riot's got a list of new queer horror from not too long ago. The best queer horror books, the queer uh, gothic books, and LGBTQ haunted horror. There are graphic novels mentioned on a couple of those.
0: Look at Book. What a great website. Look look at what we're doing there.
1: What a good job some people have done over Mm -hmm. there. Uh, mostly Danica Ellis on these lists. That's true. Uh, and then I learned in my Googling that something called the Queer Comics Database exists and they have a list specifically of queer horror graphic novels that I will have linked here for you. So Godspeed on your listicle wandering. I'm sure you'll find something there um, for Irish fiction This one I don't I just I don't think I've read much, but the first thing that popped to mind was "Instructions for a Heat Wave" by Maggie O'Farrell, which rang a bunch of my bells the year that it came out. It's kind of got a like gang gets back together vibe, but it's during the summer in Ireland during a historic heat wave, and this family are like melting down both physically and emotionally together. The secrets are coming out. Everyone is losing their ish. It's great. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think there's, you know, maybe not super quiet, but like you'll enjoy that if you're thinking about Ireland.
0: Um this is a random one that I happen to know. I mean Maeve Vinci is not like an underknown person, but it's it falls into the my sense of it. It's a little bit um gosh, what am I trying to think of? Who's the author? There's an American author I'm trying to think of. Oh crap. It but they're kind of cozy and this one is someone kind of flees their life to open up I think it's an inn a bakery store do I remember not exactly Um, on the Irish coast and falls in with a band of cast off and misfits and they find kind of Mm. a little found community it's great I think it's just what you're looking for is it going to blow your mind no will you feel good and cozy about it yes so that's a week in winter by Maeve Binchy.
1: all right Next one is from Jeannie looking for a book recommendation for her 37-year-old brother who doesn't read, but he says he has a desire to read, just doesn't feel confident choosing books for himself. Jeannie read The Wager this year, thinks he would like something like that, something that has adventure and moves quickly and isn't too long. Now you get to trot out one of your standbys.
0: for. Well, I picked The Guide by Peter mm-hmm. Heller. I think one of the new things I'm going to do is say, here's an author, go on to bookshop.org yeah. or amazon.com. And read through the synopses and pick out the one which seems... So Peter Heller has started out with the Dog Stars. I think that was his first novel, which is a little more dystopian, which I really liked, frankly, into these adventure thrillers, right? There's kind of one of one, speaking of. Um, There's some that are on rivers. There are some that are hiking. There are some that are... Are there any fishing ones? Mm. I I can't remember now at this point. They're kind of getting mixed up in my mind. But they they move... um, Like a greased pig. They're just going to fly by. They're not that long. Um, They're also not just category thrillers. There's something a little else to them. The other one, uh, my brother recently had occasion to be looking for stuff to read, and I recommended The Lost Man by Jane Harper. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Which is just, it's a thriller set in Australia. It's got a good hook. You can't put the damn thing down. And then for both of them, if he likes that, go pick up the corpus. There's like six hellers. Mm-hmm. There's like five Jane Harpers at this point. So I'm going with Paige Turner um, in the outdoors for, for both of oh, them because yeah. that's what they are.
1: I second both of those emotions. I've never been sad that I've spent a couple hours with Peter Heller no, or Jane Harper.
0: No, Me neither. Um,
1: my notes for this just say get this man some Andy Weir, some Michael Lewis, and some SA Cosby.
0: <sighs> yeah, SA Cosby's an interesting one. I think there were I think some I was like, wow, dude, I need to know they're thirty seven year olds, but in that case, yes. I need to know they're not twelve or yeah. nine or even like seventeen. Um because that's too yeah. much for me and I'm good I'm
1: I mean, talk about it moves uh, and it has Mm -hmm. adventure, but of the criminal sort Um, for a little more like straight up adventure. And on a memoir, since since you said the wager and the wager is nonfiction and there's like there's dense information in the wager. I did want to toss in In the Shadow of the Mountain by Sylvia Vasquez Lovato about becoming one of the first Latine women to climb the seven summits Um, moves between like childhood and her career in Silicon Valley and also like real, like face-to-face <laughs> with your own mortality, yeah. walking on a tiny ladder from Home Depot to cross a chasm in Nepal. Uh, really good stuff there.
0: Okay. Uh, I'd love to hear some recommendations for books that do a deep dive into us.
1: <laughs> oh, if only someone <laughs> on this podcast loved those.
0: <laughs> the way like catch my breath. <laughs>
1: We'll be back other in than, five hours. Other than
0: politics or money, I'm open to pretty much any topic. I love when experts can share their passion and knowledge in an accessible way, even if it's about something I hadn't ever thought much about. Me, too. <laughs> I just
1: almost was like, you know what? I'm not even going to pick. <laughs> Yeah, this.
0: yeah. We have jackets with buttons, and the buttons are a cover <laughs> of a book about the history of club jackets. That's what our that's what our jackets are made of. Uh, um, I'll go, go
1: quickly first. so we so we can get to you here. Uh, the '90s by Chuck Klosterman essays about stuff that happened in the '90s and offering bigger context mm-hmm. and perspective on it it's fun it's funny you will learn some things it's great Um, not so much of a deep dive into one thing as into like uh, ideas around that period of time Um, A Little Devil in in America by Hanif Abdurraqib which I am like contractually obligated to mention on a recommendations show Uh, these are also essays they're about performances of blackness and that can range from how black people exist in our culture and how they present themselves down to literal like artistic performances of all varieties it's wonderful um, and then maybe the most straight ahead of my picks for your question is Cultish by Amanda Montell, which is a look into uh, specifically the linguistics of cults and how cults use language to pull people in how they develop their own idiosyncratic terminology to make people feel like insiders and a whole bunch of other stuff around it really fascinating Okay, Jeff.
0: I don't, even, I don't even know how to do this. <laughs> I'm not sure where to go. I, I wrote some things down, and I'm trying to think of... <sighs> I'm going to do something a little off script here and recommended, recommend something my dad recommended. So shouts Ooh. to Lynn. Um, <laughs> the Mysterious Case of Rudolf Diesel, okay. Genius Power and the Deception on the Eve of World War One, which is about the guy who invented... Diesel, and then disappeared in oh. on the eve of World War One. Fascinating. And there's a hundred-year-old mystery of what happened to Rudolf Diesel. This was on my dad's list. I haven't read this yet, so I'm just that's why I'm going off. Pissed. It's a little bit in there. I think there's some other people listening that are people in their lives that might like that one as well. So put that to the side. So it's narrative nonfiction, but it's about a particular person. Anyway. Um, the one for me this year, mm-hmm. that's the non is Pave Paradise by Henry Graeber, which is about parking in America. You'll be frustrated, intrigued. It'll turn you into some sort of socialist weirdo about getting <laughs> rid of parking lots. Um, it's tremendous, and I didn't know how much I could care. If I want to go to something that matters a lot less... Um, Empire of the Sum by Keith Houston, which is about the history of calculating devices. terrific stuff. Mm. Uh, Keith Houston also wrote the book, which is about the history of the book. I'm sorry, um, just the
1: history of calculating devices as a phrase got me.
0: look, there's the abacus, you know, where would you be without the abacus, Rebecca? You know it's a
1: question I ask myself often
0: all the time. yeah, if you didn't have an abacus, you wouldn't even be able to know to ask the question. That's how important it's been um. So, but Keith Houston also wrote one about punctuation called "Shady Characters," which is tremendous. I really want to be he- Keith Houston when I grow up.
1: I wonder what questions Keith Houston would have for us. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. This
0: While seems- I'm on the punctuation tip, um, "Comma Queen" by Mary Norris, who's oh, the longtime copy editor of the New Yorker. This is not one I would also look for recommendations. Where diverse titles are specific are are very interesting and people that aren't white generally speaking mm-hmm. um there are cultural essays I think Little Devil in America is a good example of like the cultural essay version of this. There's more of those, but in terms of say the history of the lampshade um <laughs> right not so much and i'm look I'm on the lookout I'd love to know yeah. them it's it's and- a known Uh, space that i'm trying to fill
1: the next two requests are in similar veins so i think if you are if you are emily who wrote in this question listen through to the next listen through
0: yes indeed.
1: all right you're up
0: uh i'm looking for a dad book for my dad i love that we now know that dad books can be for other people than dad so people Mm -hmm. know to add the prepositional phrase for my dad He's particularly interested in urban histories and especially Los Angeles, but I think I've exhausted all the greatest hits there in nonfiction. Hold that prepositional phrase in nonfiction for my rec. He's currently reading a book on Lewis and Clark and working his way through some of the more obscure Agatha Christie books. Okay, we need to help here because we don't <laughs> need to be going to the number 40 on the Agatha Christie uh, list. We do trying to tr- A lot of people trying to convince their dads to get the wager this year. or like It's so funny. <laughs> Um, yeah, and this maybe person, go killer. Maybe goes Flower Moon, yeah, by the way. For all yeah. of those out there trying to do Wager, just slip up the Flower and, Moon.
1: Man, the Lost City of Z, I still think, yeah. is the fastest moving David Grant.
0: Uh, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. Uh, but he has viewed it a couple of times. I've got to say, <laughs> nice try. Keep, uh, you keep, yeah, tra- keep serving going. him up and give this him This is
1: the good thing about David Grant is that if you're not into tall ships, you can go somewhere yes. else.
0: It's yeah, hard. or you can go to Eric Larson, you go steal yeah, ships. There's right. ships all over the place here.
1: It's not all ships all the time. Um, I think maybe traffic by tom vanderbilt this is a slightly older mm-hmm. uh, maybe five or six years probably older than that um about like how traffic works especially in the u.s uh, stuff like you know I, I think i think about every time i'm on a merge lane onto the highway is like should you keep driving until the end of the merge or should you try to merge as quickly as possible and it turns gotcha. out you should let it go for as long as you can before merging and that actually makes traffic move faster all kinds of things like this. It's fascinating. I think it's a um, an ancestor to paved paradise. <laughs> um, uh, also, how we got to now or really anything in the Stephen Johnson oeuvre. I would just look at Stephen Johnson and pick what yeah. you think your dad might like. Where good ideas come from is another house favorite here. Um, and I really also loved The Alchemy of Us by Anissa um, Ramirez, which is about six inventions, six maybe more, um, inventions that... We're both shaped by American culture and shaped American culture and sort of that circular relationship between how the things we make make us. It's really fascinating.
0: Um, My picks, I'm going to pick up on the Los Angeles history and say, what if we got rid of in nonfiction? Because I have recommended the Barbarian Nurseries before, I think in someone looking for Los Angeles novels um, in one of these shows. And this one is that. It's looking, it's a social novel about how Los Angeles put together the haves and have nots, the people who are accepted, the people who are marginalized. Um, and there's mixed race marriages and servants and lawn keepers and trophy wives and bad husbands. It's tremendous. This is a few years old now, 2011, now that I'm looking at Wow, it's been a long time. But if you're interested in the. How L.A. is put together, I think a artistic representation of its complexity might be an interesting thing to give um, to your dad, to give him a try. Also, I guess going back up again, there is a world of Agatha Christie, not read-alikes, but the great-grandchildren chil- and great-grandchildren of Agatha Christie in terms of great standalone mysteries, but the author you're kind of going to get, know what you're going to get each time. Get your dad The Searcher by Tana French. Get them... Get him The Lost Man by Jane Harper mm-hmm. and let them go through The Searcher as a standalone. That's the one I recommended above. I'm going to put it here again. I think because I am a new convert to this book, I'm now going to be singing the good news of how generally applicable The Searcher is um, for people who are, if not reluctant readers, they kind of feel like they have a little niche and it's hard to get them out of this. I think this is one that's niche adjacent and you can just pop them right over. Don't need to merge. Just, just get him in the other lane. Just get him out of there.
1: <laughs> Look at that segue. Yeah. Uh, okay. This one's from Janine, looking for out-of-the-box or well-hidden gym dad books. Uh, her husband has had nine years on the dad book scene and has done what feel like all the obvious contenders, often mm. via gifts from her: David Grant, Ron Chernow, Michael Lewis. Eric Larson, Oliver Berkman, my man, Andy Weir, lots of nautical and Arctic and Antarctic disaster tales, and many biographies of Winston Churchill. So, so many. Uh, she wants to know, where do I go from here for a fellow who likes history? Not too outre sci-fi and elevated pop science. Bonus points if you can lessen the whiteness or guyness of his shelves, which he is open to.
0: I'm going to dig back into the what now is thought of maybe as the second tier one day, but I don't think it's fair. It's his first mm, book called Complications. He is a surgeon, one. and it's his memoir story of what it's like to be a surgeon and all the issues that come up with it. I think it is, yeah, I think it, it fits right in. Again, it's not going to be the great man history, but it is going to be, you know, doctors, doctors are dad book. They're not engineers, um, but they are dad book friendly That's um, it's really well and then you could maybe look at you know um, being mortal or something else like that mm-hmm. probably not the checklist manifesto that's a bit of a zag what's go one day been up to recently we've we been a while Ooh, since we good heard
1: question that, it, it has been a while
0: yeah and then I'm going to go let's maybe de-americanize a little bit and then we can also add a lady writer in here Cleopatra by Stacy Schiff also another name to add to your dad's roster she is a pop historian right she's writing big general interest stories um, and Cleopatra is terrific. This book came out, I feel like I remember hearing Josh Christie talk about this on Book Rages. Is that possible? Oh, is that it, that it long possible, ago? It is possible,
1: probably at least 10 years ago, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's where I first got whiff of Schiff, uh, to coin a phrase, <laughs> on that particular show. And then also, if you, if you like Schiff, then she's got some others. Um, mm-hmm. To check out. So, those would be my couple of picks. Uh,
1: my joking suggestion here is the collected works of Patrick O'Brien on audio because it sounds like your husband and mine have a lot in common. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yep. the rest of these are pulled directly from Bob's Audible library uh, okay. for history and not too out there sci fi. Um, he just burned through the three-body problem and the book that 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 thing is
0: huge he burned through the three-body
1: problem we have an emergency
0: podcast about this we had
1: this whole we were talking about it at dinner one night he was telling me how good it was and he was getting ready to move on to the next one and i was like oh man i've heard that the three-body problem has like is pretty like hard sci-fi pretty technical like hard to track and we had this whole moment where he's like babe it's just about like the cosmic background radiation (laughs) (laughs) Or whatever the correct term for that is that I can't get right. (laughs) Cool. Really liked it. Um, If your fellas into audio, Bob, it just solidly endorsed the audio production of those. Um, I think NK Jemison would be an interesting pick. Mm. And she's got a couple different series that you could take Mm. a look at and see which one is going to ring the right bells for your dude here for, uh, just good nonfiction that he's maybe not dipped into yet. I think Pico Iyer is maybe a place to go. You were just looking
0: for a place, weren't you? And you were looking for a place to put Pico. Okay, <laughs> I'll allow it.
1: His new book, uh, The Half Known Life and Something Something in Search of Paradise. Is
0: <laughs> yeah, Something Something in Search of Paradise <laughs>
1: yeah. is good. Is it a paved paradise? It is not. Yeah. Um, is about like visiting places. He, it's, he's a travel writer. He's wonderful. And I think that's a, yeah. an under celebrated place to go for people who like nonfiction. But I takes this so philosophical, very broad view towards like what travel is, what he's doing in the, those places. And Half Known Life is specifically about visiting places in the world world that have been categorized or thought of as uh, Edenic paradises usually in some religious system and sort of interrogating what the place means what it is to live there what it's like to visit Um, just really really wonderful and it was my first Pico IR and it made me dip like way into the backlist so maybe just that and broadly thinking about uh, some travel writing as a new place for dude to go.
0: I forget that book came out this year. That was like a January title. Yeah, it wasn't? was early in the year. Yeah, it was very, very early. I think also we're going also on the it New York there. Times list today. Yeah. God damn it! I gotta get to this. You can't tease me. <laughs> so I was thinking of doing something. I was, I was gonna say, I was gonna count how many of the New York Times notable books I read because I think if there's any list that has the most overlap, that's probably gonna be it.
1: I counted and, and I think. had eighteen. <sighs> which I don't know if that's more or less than I would have
0: expected. Yeah, I don't know if I'm if 18. I think I will take the over with me just because I think there's probably some nonfiction I may have done that you didn't. Yeah. Your nonfiction well, reading's probably a little bit
1: different. And I mine. think you're re- you read like about one and a half times the number of books I read. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. Your
0: Bayesian prior is just a mm-hmm. function of how so many books I if you're read, at, yeah. I don't know,
1: 25, 28, 30, somewhere in there.
0: Yeah. yeah, and so if I'm gonna read probably 150-ish to 175, so if, if that puts me at about 25, mm-hmm. that's, so yeah, okay, so about one out of every... Yeah, twelve books I read. That's I. I don't know. There's some stuff on there that I'm never going to read. Like they do the big political and historical stuff that I'm just yeah. never. I just don't get. I don't. I don't get down on that. So that's always going to be something. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a future Patreon episode, or maybe as we're looking <laughs> for something to get on the radar for, uh, as we're trying to come up with 104 episodes next year, we can do a um, which which best of list you have the most overlap with um, kind of a segment. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for listening in. This will be. Um, part one of two. Find all of our picks at bookwrite.com slash listen. You can email us podcast at bookwrite.com and if you're on the Patreon, we're going to put this up here and you can comment if we got something wrong uh, or, or uh, let's say you have a better recommendation for somebody, you're welcome to put them there uh, and check out the Patreon if you're interested in subscribing and uh, we'll talk to you. You're going to hear from us again in a week, but we reckon i will be recording again in about five minutes. Rebecca, we'll talk to you real soon.
1: All right. Happy gifting, y'all.